How's it going everybody? You're listening to The Ravens Grove. I'm your host Dahi. Today we're going to be continuing our long-running fact dump series. So to get the ball rolling, did you know that in 2010 the Japanese government was found to have been hoodwinked by dozens of accounts of pension fraud? See, at the time, anyone over the age of 85 could claim elderly pension checks in the Japanese government, but when government officials went to congratulate a man thought to be 111 years old on his new status, they found that he'd been dead for more than 30 years, mummified in his bed, and his daughter, aged 81 at the time, had been collecting the pension checks in his place. I know, it sounds like something you'd see in, in the X-Files or read about in a mystery novel, but it gets better. According to the BBC article in the story published in September 2010, and I quote, more than 230,000 elderly people in Japan who are listed as aged 100 or over are unaccounted for, end quote. Now, I'm not going to speculate on whether this is pension fraud on a truly massive scale or whether it's a case of sloppy record keeping on the parts of the Japanese government but honestly, the claims of anyone living beyond the age of 125 are quite frankly ridiculous because of the simple biological fact that humans can't live to that age. Okay, so on to fact number two. Now, I'm sure that many of you listening to this podcast will at the very least have heard of the TV show Supernatural. If you haven't, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great show. But while many people may not know about the famous 1967 Chevy Impala, Featuring the show and known in the fandom as Baby or the Metallic Car is why the showrunners chose an Impala over other classic muscle cars. See, according to Eric Kripke, the show's creator, he was originally intending for Dean, one of the show's two main characters, to drive a 1965 Ford Mustang, but his next-door neighbor in convinced him to change it to the 67 Impala because, and I quote, you can put a body in the trunk, end quote. The neighbor justified his recommendation by pointing out that Dean and his brother Sam, the show's other main character, were forces to be reckoned with, and that, quote, you want a car that when people stop next to it at lights, they lock their doors, end quote. Now, personally, I cannot begin to imagine Supernatural without the Impala, so I, for one, am very grateful to Eric Kripke's neighbor for convincing him to change it to the, from a Mustang to the Impala that we all know and love. So, time for fact number three. Did you know that after World War I, the German government tried and failed to have combat shotguns banned as a weapon of war alongside chemical and biological weaponry. Yeah, see, in the trenches of the First World War on the Western Front, physical space was always at a premium. And most fighting done in the trenches themselves between enemy combatants was done at close quarters, with weapons like knives, guns, and, and uh, clubs and pistols being used the most commonly. When the U.S. troops entered the trenches and entered the war in 1917, they brought with them the pump-action shotgun. And it was so effective as a close-quarter combat weapon that at the Geneva Conventions after the war, the German delegates tried and failed to have it banned as a weapon of war. Now, this may seem a bit hypocritical given that the Germans were the ones who first used poison gas, but this whole against shotguns actually carried over into World War II, with the only branches of the German armed forces that were issued shotguns were bomber pilots who were given shotguns for survival in case their plane was shot down over wilderness and they needed time for food, and the German Home Guard, right at the end of the war, who were basically using any weapon they could possibly get their hands on. Hitler really hated the shotguns because he had actually fought in the trenches. And another fun fact about Hitler for you, 
He was a vegetarian, borderline vegan, and banned hunting with dogs and the cooking of lobsters in boiling water in Germany. I know, it seems weird to think of him as anything other than a monster, but apparently he was very passionate about animals. Kind of weird, really. Not the fact that he's an uh, animal lover, mind. I mean, like, the fact that we think about him as anything other than a monster. Just clarifying that. Okay, so, fact number four. Back in the days before it co- the invention of the postage stamp, it cost people a significant amount of money to receive a letter. That's right, the receiver, not the sender, had to pay for the mail. Not only that, the cost was determined by the number of pages and the distance traveled. For example, prior to the introduction of the first postage stamp in 1840, it would cost a receiver one shilling sixpence to receive a letter of two pages traveling 100 miles if it was in the UK. Now this equates to £3.66 maybe British, $6.02 Australian, €3.89 Euros, $4.42 US or $5.54 Canadian in today's currency as of this recording. And as the mail could arrive up to 12 times a day, well, this cost quickly added up. So when the penny black, the world's first postage stamp, was introduced in 1840, the pricing system was changed. Changed, sorry. So that any mail under half an ounce or 14 grams in weight would only cost a penny to send in 1840. They changed it from being having to pay to receive it to the sender being paying for it. And one penny in 1840 is equivalent of 20 pence British, 36 cents Australian, 23 euro cents, 26 US cents, or 33 cents Canadian in today's currency as of this recording. So that may be why you have, if you are reading a book set in Victorian era, and they're talking about the penny black and how it's a big game changer in regarding the post, that's what they're referring to. It was a huge thing, and the penny black is regarded as a very rare stamp. Among stamp collectors, it is very, very highly prized. So fact number five. Did you know that the character of Dr. Stephen Strange from the Marvel Comics was visually inspired by the classic horror film actor Vincent Price? Steve Ditko, the artist who was responsible for creating freaking Spider-Man, was inspired by Steve Vincent Price's acting in the film The Raven, which came out, I think, in 1974, and created the character of Stephen Strange, a brilliant neurosurgeon who badly damages his hands in a car crash and turns to the mystic arts and becomes the Sorcerer Supreme, the Earth's most powerful defender against supernatural threats, in Price's image. Now, in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Doctor Strange is portrayed by Bandit Cumberbatch, and honestly, he's one of my favorite characters in the MCU, but apparently, Vincent Price, before he passed away in 1993, he actually voiced a almost like a parody character of Stephen Strange in a Scooby-Doo episode. I know, kind of hilarious, but that actually did happen. So, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Now, here's fact number six. In Ptolemaic Egypt, each book on every ship that entered the ports would be confiscated and taken to the Library of Alexandria, where they would be copied by professional scribes. The original books would be kept in the library, and the copies would be given to the original owners. In this way, the amount of knowledge stored in, in the Library of Alexandria is, well, quite simply, beyond modern comprehension. Unfortunately, Caesar burned, Julius Caesar burned the library to the ground, destroying all that knowledge forever, and, well, if you've listened to the Mayan Codices episode of The Raven's Grove, then you'll know how much I hate Caesar, and I haven't even scratched the surface on that one. So finally, fact number seven. In the Hagia Sophia Mosque in Istanbul, 
There is a carving that was thought for centuries by scholars to be a carving of immense religious significance. Everyone saw it. It was a, if to describe it without looking at the photos, which is quite difficult on a podcast, it looks very similar to a bunch of lines scratched into the stone. Now, Everyone thought for ages and ages, centuries even, that this was some kind of mystical religious symbolism that was just incomprehensible. However, in the 1970s, a linguist took a look at the carving and determined that was actually a piece of Viking graffiti that was written in the Younger Futhark Runic Alphabet. Not only that, the inscription read something along the lines of Hafdan was here. See, it was carved by a member of the Varangian Guard, the personal bodyguard and special forces of the Byzantine Emperor that was comprised of Viking mercenaries. I've covered the Varangian Guard in episode 2 of the Warfare Throughout History series, so give that a listen to if you're interested in that sort of thing. Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to the Raven's Grove. I've been Dahi, you've been awesome, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. See ya.